podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, hey thanks everybody. for listening. Hope you're having a good day today. Hope you're staying warm. Um, let Before we jump off into the podcast, I'd like to big, big shout out to our sponsors. Um, first of all, t- uh, <laughs> teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, it is the one-stop shop for, for coaches. It will. Um, I'm not guaranteeing it's going to help you win more basketball games, but I know it's something I would have wanted as a young coach. I would have. I had to do it the old old fashioned way, but I would have I would have loved all the resources and the mentoring and the community that we have. So go over and check it out um, before prices increase. Also go over and check out Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. Um, like I've said a thousand times, if for no other reason, it's going to make your guys better shooters. Not going to necessarily make them better scores, but it's going to make them better shooters. Um, just repetition. You want to get strong, you lift weights. If you want to shoot, you got to shoot. So go over and check it out. Mention Coach Unplugged. They give you three hundred and fifty dollars off your next purchase. All right, let's head off to the podcast doing it the right way. And then uh, this year we added a guy who teaches in the math department with me. Never really, he played in, uh, grew up in San Francisco. He said his gym had a half court. Is all they got to practice in ever at <laughs> school. So they would play all their games away. So he said the coach would have to open up the doors of the gym so they get a little extra running in. But he really didn't know that much about basketball. He was a math teacher with me. It's like, well, how would you like to help us with basketball? And I was like, just be a sponge. I'm not asking you to do anything. Just be a sponge. Learn whatever you can. And he had so much fun this year. And by the end of the year, was starting to do a few things and things like that. But he came in just a totally, you know, just a good person who wanted to work hard and learn. And uh, I thought he did a good, Mitch Allen's name, and he just, I thought, did a great job for us this year. Right. I mean, I, I think that's a, I think that's a big thing. So, so youth program circle of friends. I always talk, mm-hmm. I talk about meet the parents, your circle of friends needs to be small and who you can <laughs> trust. It's, it's, it's hard. And it I is. will say that, you know, we've, I've probably lost some friendships over the years of things because things didn't go as right for kids as, as the parents probably would have liked. And it's just, it's, it's different, especially when they think it's going to be one thing and it's not going to be. It's so hard. And what I say is like, I, and I've, I've, I mean, I can, I, I, I should do a podcast on just how to talk to parents, but anyway, uh, but I remember talking to a parent and this was 30 minutes in the conversation. Why is so-and-so not playing? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, so, so I said, let's pause for a second. Do you honestly believe I'm not going to put the, who <laughs> I think are the best players on the court to play? And there was a pause and there was a pause and I go, and then I think before that I asked, am I a competitive person? They go, Steve, you're one of the most competitive people I know. I go, great. I agree. I'm super competitive. You should come and play like Uno in our house. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's competitive. My son's running around his mother, like in, in pandemic after he beats her in Uno. It's competitive. Trust me. It's very competitive. But I said, so then why would I, so I'm not, I'm going to play my ninth best player 30 minutes because I'm not competitive. No. Well, I said, that's, they don't, they don't think, and sometimes you just got to let them fence. Um, But yeah, we, I, I've lost friend. I mean, your circle gets small. I think John Boyle told me that early in my coaching career. He goes, you got to find the people you can trust. Um, and keep them close. Uh. Yeah, and I think the thing is, I think when you've got those people then that you like, you want to be flexible and listen to them. But at the same time, when you're a head coach, you are a leader. 
Right. You do have to make decisions. I think a perfect one was a few years ago when we made the state championship first game against Cudahy and they had uh, Bailey Eichner who plays a William and Mary. She's like a six foot one point guard. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to put our six foot kids guarding her out there because she's not there. She doesn't play inside that much. And so I put Jada Donaldson, who's, you know, five foot five and going to UWM was a freshman at that time. But so you got a kid giving up, you know, eight inches and uh, senior versus a freshman, but it was the right matchup. Uh, and, and Jada held over four points that game. I mean, it was right. just, it was, because I watched their semifinal game. Uh, the other team put their, well, she's 6'1, we better put our 6'1 girl on her. And, well, she's stepping out, hitting threes. Then all of a sudden, you know, she's driving past them because she hits a three. And it's just like, you, you, you got to do what you believe in as a coach, too. I mean, but right. sometimes I mean, I, you need to listen to people. Right. I tell two things. I say, first of all, I run a talented and gifted program for basketball coaches, basketball players. Mm-hmm. Talented gift program for basketball players. And then before we were on the air, I never got to the story about like he coaches telling me a story about thing. I had a parent call me when we were in the state semifinal game. Um, when there used to be eight teams, state semifinal game, the morning of the state semifinal game, asking why her son didn't play the night before. <laughs> and he hadn't played all year. So she hadn't been watching him all year. And then she calls me and it's like, it's like 10 o'clock and we're playing at like eight in the state semis. And I go, I don't even know what to say at that point. It's like, well, he hasn't played all the worst season. One I, the worst one I can remember like that, we lost to a team that we conferenced once or twice. We had this one team, West Bend East, and we were in the little 10 these kids strokes. They beat us twice in the regular season. They just matched up with us well. We played them in the sectional semis, ended up beating them, but we got off to a really good start. And sometimes when you get off to a really good start, your rotations don't necessarily stay the same. Right. Because you're playing well. It's like, I'm not going to change right now. Let's let this group go until something doesn't go on. Well, right. her kid didn't get into the second quarter. So we win a game, a team that had beaten us twice. We're getting ready for the next game to try to win, get to state. And I get this long email how awful it was that I didn't get her daughter in the first quarter. And I was just like, we just beat a team that beat us. And to me, it's just, it, it's, it's hard to fathom. And, 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 and as, as I get older, I have more empathy for those emails. I know where they're coming from. They tend to come from a p- place of love. Right. Um, they do. They really do. I mean, I wouldn't have thought that in my 20s and 30s. I would have like, what are you talking about? I get it. Being a parent, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, probably one of the hardest things for me, my son just graduated, was coaching him the last, you know, I've coached him in six seasons, seven seasons. It was really hard um, to keep that balance in my head between dad and coach. It's a right. hard balance. It's even harder when you're in the stands. I get that. Um, so before we jump in, I'm going to give this for the Wisconsin people. So is there less travel in the Badger than there was in the, in the other conference? No. <laughs> okay. So what was the move? What, what, what was the move? Was it geographical? What was the reason? Well, behind- we had Wisconsin Lutheran was down in Milwaukee and they kind of wanted to get out of the conference. They had a lot of traveling to do. Okay. So unfortunately Beaver Dam, we're kind of the big school out and by itself a little bit. So it's hard for us to go. So we actually increased our travel by about 50%. Uh, by joining the Badger Conference. Now, they are changing the conference next year, doing some pods, which will be interesting because it's going to be four pods of four. And uh, you play everybody in your pod twice, and you play two other pods each once. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And like you is are that boys, too? That's boys, too? Yeah. And is it one conference champion? They're not really quite sure. It hasn't really been explained how that's going to work yet, if it's going to be a pods of four. Well, the thing is they're splitting most courts into east and west, and uh, so we're not really quite sure. we got one more year of 
kind of how it's been, but then the year after it'll go into. The- yeah, we're well, we're you know, some prairies building a new high school, so we're gonna yeah. get them. Not in two years, uh, not next year. They, anyway, so we'll be a conference of eleven. So at least for one year until they figure out exactly. Well, um, I always tell people they should just take the, the the your conference and the Badger and you know the Rock Valley and just get them all together and then like every five years, hey, we're going to split the teams up in this based on whatever. Right. I, I mean, yeah. One key. We've got teams in our conference that could certainly play in the Big Eight as well. Right, so, and we and the thing is, we have. Um, like the Wanakee should be in our conference. Yeah. Like they should be in our conference. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to be in our conference, but they should be. Middleton and some Prairie didn't want to. Yeah. But they're, I mean, they're big enough. They should be in our conference. The forest eventually, I think, is going to be mm-hmm. big enough to be in our conference. Um, what we're going to become is an urban conference again. I mean, we kind of are already. But, um, and that's where I think the Janesvilles and the Beloits are going to leave. That's my personal opinion. Um, eventually they'll leave for travel and we'll become this urban thing but you guys could even you know it's such yeah, an easy it's such an easy drive for you how far are you from some prairie it's a like, half hour that's yeah. a nice drive and that's and that's the hard part i think with our new league it's just uh we don't have any our forest is our closest trip which is like 40 minutes but it's just uh and then in the winter sometimes you get some roads that aren't the greatest i so. think football drives high school sports too you know it's like can really? you <laughs> yeah i think it does i think it's like football conference how could you but I mean, you could almost make it east side. You could take east. You right. could take oh, Lafala. You could take. There's there's ways of doing that. But in, in now that there's going to be two some prairies, um, I know that kind of is going to throw everything a little bit to see what they'll decide. and they'll see what they'll do with that. All right, what else do you think is uh, any other keys, coach? You want to talk yeah, about? Yeah, you know, I think you know when I look back when I first started coaching, I mean, you're willing to work at those practices, but you have to you're going to have to sacrifice some things in your life. I think. Yeah. You know, it's you're not always going to be able to have fun, I guess, all the time. You know, um, you're going to have to give up some things. Now, my wife's been extremely supportive, and I haven't had to give up as much as I probably should at times. But, um, you know, just an instance, I think, is I, I go to a lot of Packer games growing up in Green Bay. But pretty much now when the season starts, unless it's a noon Sunday game, I don't go to the games anymore. Right. I just get back too late. I'm too tired the rest of the week. I don't feel like I'm at the best for that. Uh, giving up time in the spring. I try to get a lot of our younger kids in together. Uh, they have their teams in the season, but in the spring, I try to get them and just, just me with them. So right. That they can kind of get, you know, is this a guy we want to play for? And then they can kind of say, hey, this is the kind of stuff that you got to do. You right. Know, if you want to be a successful player. But um, there's going to be I think a that's a big one that – I, I think this sport has become 365 days, seven oh, days absolutely. a week as coaching goes. I use, I my first job I I coached and taught in Wausau for seven years. I used before I became a head coach. I used to hunt and fish. Right. Yep. <laughs> but I don't have time. I mean, I just don't have time anymore. I'm hoping maybe to get out hunting again this fall. But I haven't had time. Um, well, yeah, I was a skier in the winters. I skied all growing up. And right. So like, I I haven't been skiing. I think since 2000. Right. <laughs> and then it was funny because we were out in Utah skiing at a ski trip, and that was the year the Badgers made it to the Final Four. And they were in Salt Lake for their first two games. My brother and I got to go see him beat Arizona that year. So oh, that was a great was team. Pretty exciting, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, you get to sacrifice. There's just a lot of sacrificing things that you have to, uh, you know, look at with some of those type of things. I agree. What else, Coach? Yeah, you know, a couple other things. You know, you, you always want to analyze what you're doing. And it is about improving. Um, you know, you're always trying to get better. And I think that's our motto, you know, every week of practice, you know, every season. You know, even though our 2019 team was, you know, 
off the charts good, you know, being nationally ranked and things like that. We came into this season, and it's like, we need to be better than what we did last year. Right. Uh, we've got to find some things that we were better. Actually, one thing we improved on this year, we were a better defensive rebounding team than we were the 2019 team. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of things that you're not going to necessarily be better than because it's just it's not possible to be better in everything. But you have to be striving for that all the time. Um, so, yeah, next year, you know, we're going to really, you know, losing somebody as good as Jada, we're really going to have to work on, you know, becoming a better defensive team, you know, consistently. So um, but that's got to be your attitude. And, uh, and I think I think the analyzing part comes from a different from several things. I think you have to self reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always have people come from the outside look at me. They'll scout me. They'll scout our program. And then usually in the spring or the summer we'll have a talk. You're like, what'd you see? What'd you see? And I'll have them do it during the season too. But um, and again, I'm a stats teacher, so I'm analyzing. Mm-hmm. I'm analyzing the data all the time. Like. Um, you know, I, I, I'm still trying to analyze the last season. I think we, I, we had a really special, we had a really, we had a really good team, yeah. but there were obviously a couple better teams in our conference, but I thought we could compete better than we did with those two teams. You know, we want a national, we want a national tournament against some good teams in, in over Christmas. And it was like, okay, how could we do that? And then we couldn't do it here. What pieces were we missing? So I'm always, I mean, I literally, so this is, you'll laugh at this coach. I was literally doing this yesterday afternoon with one of my assistants. We were sending messages back and he's doing some stuff on our offense right now. And he's going, Steve, man, when I watch those games and then like, so we're already like, we're already analyzing the data and we're analyzing the team. And I think you have to self-reflect a lot, I think. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I, and we do, and I, I, it's the thing, I mean, with our video that we showed the kids, we always show all of our assists all the time. Every game we show every one of our assists because we want kids to have making that extra pass to get the better shot. We always show the turnovers we're causing because, you know, we're a team right now that tries to do a lot of that. And then conversely, anytime a team gets an offensive rebound, it's like, how can they possibly be getting, you know, that off? I think they probably, that was probably why we improved this year because I probably shamed enough people. It's, you know, it's not no personal thing, but it's like, it just, just can't happen. I love <laughs> offensive rebounders too. If you can offensive, yeah. re- oh. if you can shoot and you can offensive rebound, you can play for me. So, I learned so, so much about offensive rebounding watching that Villanova, North Carolina game, championship game a few years ago. How they just ferociously, both teams just attack the offensive class. I have a rule, coach, in my oh, program gosh. that if you get an offensive rebound, it's your ball. You can, I said, you can run home with it at that point. I don't <laughs> care. I yeah. said, I will never yell at you for taking a hook shot over your head with your eyes closed. I don't care because you know why? You went and earned that. That's you. You went and got that. That's yours. Yeah. Um, and that, that changed my guy's mentality. As soon as I did that, it's like, what do you mean? I go, well, if you get the offensive rebound, you can shoot it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't care what you do with it at that point. Like you don't have to shoot it, but you went and got that. That's a bonus for us. That's an extra possession for us. Yeah. I would say statistically as a coach over the years, that's probably one thing I've just bought it. Cause I, and I grew up a lot with the Bennett stuff. It's like, we got to get back on defense. We got to convert, you know, we don't want to give up an easy buckets. And I just more, right. more again, a coach. Let's just hit the boards. Hit the boards hard. Go get some boards. Go ahead. You can transition us down because then we're going to yeah. grab it and go the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you can't get so worried. You give up a hoop. Go get a basket within five seconds back on them. Right. So, yeah. Um, and what else, Coach? Yeah. Last thing I kind of go, you know, everybody thinks there's a secret sauce. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think that's the thing. Everybody – and I – you know, you, you, you do emulate other programs. And I've, you know, certainly, you know, Bennett, Krzyzewski, Summit for me. 
Uh, you know, I saw Shaka Smart a few years ago up in Minnesota, and I was like at a, at a Nike clinic, and I was like, wow, I can, because we were trying to play that kind of, you know, traffic kind of defense where you can learn so much, but you really got to fit it to who you are as a coach and what you want to build with the program that you have. Um, I always thought if we were in Division One necessarily, I wouldn't be playing necessarily the same way that we'd be playing that we were in, in D2. Right. And just the conferences that we were in, you know, it's not going to be the same. And, I, and this is a great conversation I can always have with our kids coming back from AAU seasons. It's like if I'm coaching in youth basketball, high school basketball, you know, AAU, playing college, it's different. It's all different. So just because you're playing it one way there, it doesn't mean we're going to do it the same way there. We're doing it here because of this. Right. I think the kids of our kids at least have really bought into that, that, okay, you can do what you need to do with your AAU programs, but when we come back here, we're going to do this. And it does change game to game as well as far as what you do. You know, just because you do it one way, this game doesn't mean you're going to do it the exact same way the next game. Right. Um, it's good to emulate programs, but it's not like you have to own it on your own as well. It's not well, I think that's good for the young coaches listening too, is you gotta, you got to reflect on your community, the type of players you get, you know. If I was if I was still coaching in Wausau, I would not be doing the exact same stuff I'm doing in Madison. There are different communities, there are different kinds of players. Um, so I think that's I think that's a great golden nugget for the you know. There's no no. I think you wrote down no secret sauce. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just like I always get the third and fourth. Hey, what do you guys want on offense? What do you want to work? Just have fun and run. <laughs> you know, right. it's not like you're not going to run the same stuff that we're running. I mean, because your kids aren't going to be doing the same type of things. But uh, right. Yeah, and it's good to emulate, and I've, I've been seeing a lot more of, of that when we watch other teams. It's like, yeah, they stole that from us. Yeah, they stole that from us. But we did the same thing. We sold things from plenty of other people out there as well. So uh, it's uh, – but and then you just got to fit it to your situation. And every year is different. I can't just roll out the same playbook year after year after year. Um, you got to – and that's going to be some challenges for this. I mean, I used to run swing flex with, like, with the NBA – with Wesley and those guys – because literally I wanted to slow them down. Like I had, yeah. I mean, I had to slow them down and they go, what do you mean? I go, cause I had so many offensive weapons that if I didn't like give them structure, it would have mm -hmm. been like a free for all, like, yeah. and they could already do that within that offense. So um, yeah, it's, I think there's, you, you gotta, you gotta play to your, to your audience. I think. And you, and you gotta be, you gotta be able to play different ways. I mean, everybody was like, well, what's, I mean, depending on the situation of the game and, it's like, well, you got a six foot four girl, aren't you going to get to her every time? Well, what if she's in foul trouble one game? What if she rolls an ankle one game? Right. Remember one conference game, we had we had two post players. Neither one of them was able to play the whole game. Right. One, and it was like, so it's like, okay, so all the post stuff we had in that year was like, we're not going to be able to do it against a team that we really would would like to have done it because they match up with our guards pretty well. Right. Um, so and that's people. I think that's one from an offensive philosophy. People always ask me, do you try to get great at one thing? Or do you try to do more things? And most people like to say, I want to get great at one thing. I'm kind of the opposite um, because you never know what. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as I am. Please subscribe and like. Uh, leave those five-star reviews. Those one-star reviews you can, you can leave in your pocket. But go over to Apple and Spotify and wherever you leave reviews or wherever you listen and, and, and tell us what you're thinking. Um, go over and check out teachups.com for coaches who want to get better. 14-day free trial. Um, the one-stop shopping. The Netflix for basketball coaches. Um, and then also go over and check out our other podcasts, uh, Teacher Side Gig and High School Hoops. P part of the, I love saying this, part of the coach market media conglomerate. Go over and check it out and let's head back um, to the podcast. Because you never know what, if everybody played defense the same way, it'd be great, but they don't. 
Right. So you've got to be able to do different things on different nights. And I think it's probably helped us in the long run. Um, you don't always know what's going to work and what's not going to work. Uh, we had one this year that like two days we're working on this like thing that we had seen as far as like I have a high post kind of, it's a UConn, UConn runs a lot of it. The first two days it looked terrible. It was awful. And then after that, it really started clicking. And I was like, wow, this is really good. By the end of the year, it was probably our favorite thing that our kids ran all year as far as just what it gave the kids that we had. It was right. totally different anything we'd ever done before. I think style of play, like my last state tournament team in 2017, we wanted the scores in the 40s. Yeah. Like, now, do I necessarily want that? No, but I knew my group. I had a bunch mm-hmm. of big kids. I had really good, solid guards, but I had good bigs. We were going to grind you. Yeah. But, you know, then he came and watched some of my teams in 08, 09, 010. We literally wanted to be Loyola Marymount. Like, yeah, let's exactly. go. So you got to kind of – I think that's I think that's, a, I think that's one of the keys. Um, how would you describe your coaching philosophy? Um, well, like, and we've talked a little bit about it. You know, I'm really – at heart, I'm probably that Dick Bennett, you know, toughness defensively is where I am really at. But I also grew up, like I said, with all of our friends trying to run up and down the court as fast as we can. Right. So that's, you know, one thing that, you know, we, we want to transition, we want to score points. So um, there's just so many influences, but that, that competitiveness, that toughness, uh, making the game fun, sharing the ball. Uh, I was not the kind of guy that was going to go out and score 20 a game, but I knew who the 20 point scores were and I was going to make sure they were getting their 20. Right. And, you know, I, if, if we won, I felt great about it. Um, so that, that was the thing uh, as far as when I used to play ball, but um you know, it's just, it's, it's supposed to be a fun, competitive type of game, but uh, it's, it's just be, it's great when you can just go, 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 go. I love that too. What do you think is the hardest thing to teach? Hardest thing to teach, I would say for a lot of kids, especially coming off of AU season is probably shot selection. Uh, really? Okay. Yeah, I would say shot and how do you teach that? Uh, well, we talk about shots that we work on in practice and the drills that I give them. And I, we differentiate a lot within practice as far as who's doing what. Uh, but just kind of, I kind of gave a number system to good shots, bad shots. I always tell kids if it's a shot you're practicing, then that's a shot I want to take. And I'm not the kind of guy that tells, hey, you're coming out of the game because you took a, took a shot kind of thing. That's not how, how I really do things. But I also want them to know we can get a better shot a lot of times. But I give a number system. Okay. Uh, nine's like a you know, breakaway layup, nothing. One or two is like, why did you take that shot? You could have easily gotten a better okay. shot. That. You do the odd so, thing like yeah. PGC or you do one through ten? I just do one through nine. Yeah, I just okay. and I just go, yeah. I, th- I think I might have got it off one of the things that they had. But if okay. I yell one or two, you know, it's not not what we're looking at. And that way I don't have to sit there and say, why did you take that shot? You know, right. you just say one or two and everybody kind of gets the idea. Right, uh, I agree. You know, maybe at some point we got to explain, hey, you just took an 18-footer in transition where we had nobody back, nobody there to offensive rebound or anything. Uh, you know, so it's like, was that really – or we're, you know, we're up by 10 with four minutes to go and you're taking a fade away from 12 feet, you know, and so it's like uh, that kind of stuff. But no, I and I think their that. shot selection – I think what's hard is the differentiation because my best player's shot selection is different than my 12th player's oh, shot selection. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they, but those kids have worked at it too. And that's the thing. Right. I mean, I, I, and I think as a younger coach and it's, it's hard, it's easier for me now because I've probably been here alone. The kids know me. Um, and when you're just starting a program and well, who's this person, you know, what are they doing here? Or do they know anything? Uh, so you can have the honest conversations now with the kids. This kid's going to take different shots. <laughs> right. 
I mean, they just, that's what it, way it is. I'm, it's just how it's going to be. It's, I, I say truth or harmony. Yeah. You want truth yeah. or you want harmony? Because yeah. truth is you're open for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't shoot. Harmony is, all. Oh, you're the best player in the team and you should take 30 shots. Right. Usually, boy, at least boys will ask, if I say, do you want truth or harmony? Most of them will say truth. I said, well, the truth is you're a horrible shooter kind of thing. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say that to a kid. But that's kind of the extreme of it. Um, is there one – Is there one? this is always a hard question for me. Is there one success or failure that we could dive into for the listeners that you think would be helpful in the kind of their basketball journey? Uh, as far as specifically what I've had or – Yeah, you. Yeah. One success, one failure, one, one, one moment in time is the way I refer to it that would be like a golden nugget. Like, look, look what happened, look what I learned kind of thing. Can be a success yeah, I mean, or a failure. I mean, the, the losing was really hard to begin with. I mean, you go nine and fifty-four for three years, that's hard. It, it challenges you in a lot of ways. And there right. was some self-doubt in there a little bit. Um I just a couple things I just remember. I remember we, one year in conference, we had won our first two lot we had a, uh, 14 games in conference, won our first two, lost our next seven. I just remember a dad coming up to me and said, People are kind of after you in this town. You better start making a change and start winning. And I, that was the first time I thought I might actually lose lose my job for not winning. And right. uh, we went out and won our next five games in conference and ended up having a winning record for the first time in years and everything was great. The next year we went to state. But that was just definitely a defining moment at that time as a coach that I realized, yeah, I guess I guess I guess my uh my uh training time is over. We better start showing some results. Right. Uh, <laughs> You know, hired hired to, get. to get fired, you know. Yeah, kind of I mean, that's yeah. tough. And then our boys coach was going, you know, we talked before, earlier, you know, you had a really good sectional game against our boys coach. He had been let go that same time, and he had, you know, made it to a sectional final two years earlier. Right. State championship at Catholic Memorial. So that was that was hard uh, to see that happening when you're trying to do all the right things, um, but it's not – people aren't seeing that on the outside, I guess. A lot. Well, I think there's been a trickle down, too. This is the math person to me. I think they're they're treating it like – it's not like – they're treating it like it's a college game, and it's really not. And, you know, here are the kids that I have, and I got to deal with those. I'm not going out recruiting, you know, a power forward for my program like they are at, you know, Wisconsin. Um, so I think that's the hard – that's the hard part. I think – yeah. I wish the pay correlated with the <laughs> with the pressure. Yeah, people, um, people people always think too. You get big bonuses at the end of the season. It's like no, we don't get big bonuses. Bonuses? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I always get the kids asking me at school, like, what kind of bonuses? Like, we don't get a bonus. Yeah, um, I think, there's, yeah. The other one, you know, going back to your previous question too, we had four sectional final losses, uh, which are really tough. And a couple of those are in overtime. And I'll still remember 2016 when we lost the sectional final in overtime to Notre Dame. And uh, the boys had a game that night, and I was in my room getting some work done before the game because uh, we had an afternoon game. And Paige Schumann walked in with Kaylee Miller, Paige down down at uh, Eastern Illinois. And this is just after a tough loss. And she came in and said, Coach, tell us exactly what we got to do, and I'll make sure we get it done. And she, she came out and won three state championships that after that. And she was just like that. And that to me was just like, we finally got kids that get it. Yeah. That they yeah. want it as much as we do. That That's part of the issue. Every kid wants it, but oh, do you really yeah. want it? Yeah. And I knew at that point, it's like, we are going to be so tough to be beat when she came in that. Because I knew our kids were going to buy into all the weightlifting, treating each other well, you know, holding <laughs> each other accountable. Uh, and we, I mean, obviously we had a lot of great players during that time. We were really good. 
But I just had just from that moment on, I just it was such a defining moment for us that right. um, that this this group was just said, yeah, enough's enough. We're gonna get yeah, this. it's special. Like I I remember when what when I moved up Wesley his freshman year and he was this little like weighed maybe ninety pounds. He comes up to me after practice after I'd moved him up with all the varsity kids and he goes, Coach, can what what can I do to make us better? Literally, this is a you know fourteen year old freshman who I just moved up. Um, cause I wanted to leave them down and yeah, it's just those, you, you remember those moments. It's like, Whoa, all right, this is, this kid's for real. Like he's going to put the work in. Um, yeah, I think that's amazing. Um, do you, um, let me, let's go through rapid fire. Cause I think I, I think I have, I have some good questions I can dive into with those. Do you have a favorite brand of basketball, the actual ball you play with? Uh, whatever the WI to say is, we're going to use that year because that's okay. the one we're going to use. So, okay. Our kids do really like because we played some games in Illinois the last couple of years where we've gotten the ball that they use, which is the Wilson. And our kids seem to like that better, but uh, they're usually out for the weeks of the games that uh, we have. Right. Like, we're doing just our five on five stuff. So at least they get a feel for it. And some of the kids will say, I've with it. But uh, whatever WI decides we're going to use, that's what we use. Wherever they get their kickback, yep. wherever they get their <laughs> yeah, the kickback. new ones are going to be interesting this year because uh, we had, we bought a few of them this year and it was. Uh, what are we doing? Is it, or is it changing? It's like a legacy, something different. Yeah, we bought about three or four of them at the end of the year, but got another twenty coming in once we can get back into school. Oh, that's I didn't know they were changing. That's a change this year. Look into that. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. It's because it used to be the Spalding. Um, the Spalding TF thousand, yeah, right? It's, it's got a little bit more look of the Wilson. Okay. A lot of that's, other states use the Wilson if that's what you're going with. I don't know if that's what you're. No, going. people. I mean, you'd be surprised. Yeah. I interview people all around the country and the world, and some people like Molten, some people like the Rock, some people like. Oh, that's interesting. The Wilson Jets. We use that in Florida too, and it seemed to be pretty good. Kids like. Yeah, that. it's about it's it's that feel. So legacy. Right. I'll have to look into that. Um. I might not be totally right on that, but it's a new ball this year. I know that. Okay. Uh, one word to describe your ideal player. Uh, I think I think two words I might need. Okay. Is competitive and good-hearted. Okay. I think that's the thing. Um, you know, we're competitive, but at the same time, we're good to our teammates. So. All right. Um, the combination is what you need. One, if you go to one sporting event in the world, what would it be and why? Uh. I'm a huge Packer fan, so Super Bowl with the Packers again would really be cool. That's during basketball season, so I'd have to sacrifice that and say no. Probably, probably I'm, I'm a golf coach as well, so I'd probably go to the Masters just because it's such a beautiful place. So, yeah, I would do. Probably, I would, yeah, yeah, I'd so, love to. And I say probably say the state tournament again for girls basketball any year because yeah. <laughs> that's that never gets old. That never gets old. Never gets old. No, People never ask. Gets never gets old. old. So I'd probably pick that one honestly. What's one thing you tell your younger self? Uh. It's not going to be easy. Keep on working. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> I, I agree. What's your uh, favorite pregame meal? Um, I used to go just get a – usually on the road, we're usually getting Jimmy John's subs. Usually our, our assistants, we kind of have the same thing. We kind of have a routine where we're on the road, we always get Jimmy John's subs and we split a chocolate chip cookie Dan Hallman and I do. And then we always do trivia with the kids for Culver's coupons. We always uh, break into teams and – uh do trivia games and then they get culture right free ice cream scoops and the trivia is based on some basketball some pop culture and then usually has something to do with our basketball oh that's interesting and then the kids always it's before because we're we're there for the jv game 
So it's like we've got time, but it gets them talking at least a little bit and communicating. I just found too many years kids were all locked into their music and, and so locked into their phones. It's like I got to do something where they're just communicating in small groups. And oh, I like that. Getting out I like of that. And like I just say, okay, name all the team. Like we're playing a team. Name all the teams in this conference. And, you know, so then they have to sit there and write their list down. And then you keep track. And you do that on a bus or you do that? No, we do it once we get because we're waiting, like I said, for the, the JV games. Tournament games, we usually have to rush it a little bit. But even when we were at state, we'd do it before state. We'd be sitting in the stands, you know, getting used to the lights and things and, and do it then. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like yeah, that. Was, the kids love it. Uh, they, it gets pretty competitive. And it's quick. It's five, ten minutes probably is what it takes. And, I love that. I'm going to write that down. Okay. Um, uh, I did that one. One thing you do to relax. Um. I like to play cards you know I, I do i mean I'm, I'm a huge packer fan so i was well i don't know if that's relaxing watching some of the packer games <laughs> i think it's harder being a fan so um you know my wife and i do we uh like to go out for nice dinners and we uh kind of became wine people a few years ago we did a trip out to california so oh that's good of, yeah so that's kind of nice um just to do that not a lot but occasionally during the yeah. season i'm usually pretty pretty focused so not a lot going on but uh no, I love that. Try to take the vacation times uh, when we can. Yes, that's a great thing. Um, uh, one coaching technique you consider important? Uh, I learned this from um, my daughter. My daughter played college golf at Quinnipiac, and her golf coach was Larry Tiziani, Donna Madison. Oh, I know Larry. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, great guy. And his questioning was unbelievable. He was not just like, giving the answers to people. Uh, he would basically, well, why is this happening? What's what's going there? And his, his questioning technique to get people to kind of think of the answer and actually make them kind of, um, you know, come up with the idea on their own almost as far as that. I mean, he was leading a, a little ways, but he wouldn't just say, you need to do this. It's like, well, why is this happening? And then thinking about it that way. So, you know, we can do that with players. You know, why are they, why are we not defending that ball screen well enough? You know, what's happening? Right. Things like that. And asking that kind of question instead of me saying, Hey, you know, you're not, you're not talking enough about that screen. You're not doing this. And, and those kind of things, I think really, um, I think as coaches, we sometimes talk too much, <laughs> let, 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 let the player, let the players figure. And I always get in trouble because like during timeouts or like at state, they're like, you got to keep your team to the bench. I want those five kids out on the floor right away. So they can all know who they're guarding. all know exactly what they're doing. And right. tell them, I don't need to be sitting there for an extra 20, 30 seconds talking to them, get them out there, let them figure out exactly what's going on and how they're going to run things and make sure everybody's in the right spots. It's more important that they know what's going on as opposed to what, what as coaches know what's going on. I love that. Um, best basketball player you have seen in person? Uh, Paige Beckers, uh, who was playing at UConn, was uh, the um, uh, basically the would have been the player of the year. That's year plays for Hopkins up in Minnesota. So we lost him in an overtime game a few years ago. So just a phenomenal player. I, I've never seen a kid who takes like three steps in transition and can do any kind of shot. She's a six foot point guard. Uh, just amazing, amazing player. Even my coach, Dan Hall, my coach, the boys is like, she's the best basketball player I ever, ever saw. Um, she's right up there. We got to play against Arike too. So Arike was pretty awesome to play against. Uh, it was funny because one of our freshmen was guarding when we played her and she's like, you can't guard me. And our, our kid who was a freshman type, Kaylee Miller loved her. She just says, yeah, I don't know why my coach has got me guarded because I can't guard you either. So she said a weekday laugh. But, uh, so, but uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to play against those top-notch players. Yeah, and, it's, a, it's crazy oh to do that. Best, uh, best basketball player of all time? Um, 
I mean, Jordan, Jordan's great. And you can't, you can't argue with Jordan. I mean, I grew up as a Magic Johnson, you know, and you got to appreciate Larry Bird. And I, I honestly think probably the most underrated basketball player of all time, people do not appreciate him enough, is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Because what he did in the college game, a high school game, college, NBA, I just think, I don't think he gets enough credit for how good I, and how dominating he really was. I agree. I yeah. agree. He just did things that nobody else did. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Bill Russell's one that's um, underestimated, too. Yeah. yeah. Is, I use a lot of Bill Russell quotes. We do a, another thing we do, we do a quote at the beginning of every practice from a different basketball thing, just to kind of get him thinking of something. Bill Russell's got so many great things that he's talked about in his life about winning basketball. As far as right. winning basketball, I don't think you can say anybody better than Bill Russell as far as no. that aspect. Um, one, um, one thing that helped you become a better basketball coach? Um, I'll just say the willingness, and this really helped me a lot and why I've always tried to get back to the game, the willingness of other people to try to help when I ask questions. You know, I got very comfortable. I kind of brought up that before that, you know, I, as I was a 24, 25, 26-year-old coach, I would call the teams that had just won state and say, hey, you know, what kind of things work for you? And just people really being able to, to share their, you know, and give you the time. I've yeah, always, people are very good about that. But you got to reach out, though. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, and that's why I've always told people, and I got people now that are starting up programs want to talk to me. And I've always tried to, you know, help whatever I can because I was just, I always thought getting into it, this is going to be some big secret. I'm going to have to try to come up with something that's going to magically work. And um, people were just, it's, it's such a great camaraderie amongst coaches. And uh, I just uh, it is. enough about that. It really is. So the, la the last question, is there, is there one thing you would change about the game? Uh, well, I would change, first of all, I'd change the way we uh, do tournaments in the state. I think, I think the gerrymandering that goes on in districts, as far as that, I think is ridiculous. I would split the state into halves every year. Uh, basically, you'd have a north, you'd either be north, south, or east, west, and then you just seed the whole, you seed that half. I've always thought if Madison Memorial and Madison East are the two best teams in the state, why should they not be in the state championship? Right, and, right. And that way they could be because it'd be, it'd be west one and west two, so right. they wouldn't play to, to the very end. Then you'd set up a bracket like that. So that's one thing I would definitely like to see. And then it changes we play this you play the same teams year after year after year i know i know we played, yeah we played cedarburg five times in a row in the sectional summer that's kind of like you know it's just unfortunate that you get these matchups sometimes that happen year after year after year and uh and, and i know they want regional representation you'd still have that i think it would help the basketball grow in the state too because other teams would get to see other things as well right um, i would like to see and this comes into play for us a lot Boxing out at the three-point line, I think, has gotten ridiculous. Yeah. I think they need to – they kind of put in that free-throw rule. There's no – I mean, we don't – I don't teach that, that we're boxing somebody out 20 feet away from the basket. Right. Uh, you, you check them to make sure they're not going to go get the rebound. But, you know, as far as checking, I'm not physical. I'm usually there. But this people just barreling into people after they take a three-point shot. I think it's just adapt something that needs to be called a lot more consistent. Yeah, my, my, my next big thing is get rid of the jump ball. Like oh, to, to start the game, they're they're horrible. I mean, I had a kid called for a foul <laughs> this year on a jump ball. He was called for a foul. I've never seen it in yeah. thirty-five years of watching high school, fifty years of watching high school. Called a foul on my guy going up to jump the ball. You want to go back to the old way that we grew up with? Where you no, I don't want that. I I think the visiting. <laughs> here's what I think. I think the visiting team should get the ball to start the game. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
get rid of it because they can't throw it. But that's the problem. You know, that's true. It would also be good. Um, and I've noticed this a little bit too with the end of the game situations that do like the NBA. And once you get to a certain number, like a minute left, you got one foul to give, and then it's like you're a bonus. Ooh, I like that. This. And the reason is, I think you get the guys that okay, am I fouling? And you get the officials that well, they don't call a foul, even though you're trying to foul. Right. And then all of a sudden you foul, and it's like, well, now it's intentional. Right. So it's kind of like, I mean, you, you, I mean, it's nice when officials understand what's actually going on and understand the game. Right. Whereas opposed to other three, well, it's an intentional foul. You fouled them or, oh, it wasn't right. hard enough. I didn't, I mean, when I go tell an official, hey, we're going to foul and our kid kind of reaches in and makes contact. Well, that wasn't really hard enough to be a foul. So, I know. I love that. Yeah. Hey coach, thank you for, I appreciate you taking early morning yeah. to do this. I think they'll no, get, I think that, I think they're going to get a lot out of this and I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. Hope everything's going well. Take care. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that. If you want to hear more of these, (laughs) go over and uh, join teachhoops.com. 14-day free trial allows us us to do this. And then subscribe, like, jump up and down, do whatever you got to do. Tell us us what you want to hear in the future, Steve, at teachhoops.com. All right. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network.